This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Shane Barker on the line. Shane, how are you, sir? Doing good, Michael. How are you, man? It is a great day to be alive, and I say that every day. Even, even, even up in the frozen tundra of Toronto, Ontario, sometimes when it's snowing, it's like, yeah, it's still a great day, although it's definitely not snowing today. Uh, it's all about the mindset, man. You're doing good. You're doing good. Awesome. So you are someone that's been in the marketing space in influencer marketing for over two decades. Um, this predates... Um, a lot of social media that we know and a lot of the strategies that we hear about all the time. So what are some of the things that you've seen over the last couple of decades that um, seem to be lasting longer and, you know, what's things that you don't think are going to be around for much longer because of, you know, the ever changing landscape we, we find in this online space. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of crazy. So I've been in the digital space for 20, almost 25 years Influencer marketing has become really big for us. Just it kind of found us about seven, eight years ago. Um, but you know, one of the things that I think, which you know, when you look at like AI, artificial intelligence, and some other stuff like that, people are always worried about what's that's going to mean for digital marketing and how it's going to change things. I think one thing that hasn't changed, whether you know, what the technology changes and things move, and you know, different things are happening, is really that human-to-human contact, right? Is that interaction? Um, I think a lot of people you know, with technology and softwares and, you know, platforms and stuff, it's a way to be able to do, you know, find information like big data and be able to, you know, sift through stuff and be able to find things, but nothing's going to take away that actual human contact, that interaction that you're going to have with people. So, you know, AI will make it so that it'll make things a little easier to be able to find those individuals and have those types of conversations, but nothing's going to take the place of what I call, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies, right? I mean, that's the idea of this is that that's, is how you build the building of relationships, whether that be online or offline. Um, I've seen through the digital space, like, I mean, once again, before there was even, I mean, I was doing SEO and it wasn't even called SEO. Um, and I was doing, you know, a lot of this influencer marketing stuff and this stuff before it was even influencer marketing. What I've seen is, is that when you're working with influencers, it's really relationships, right? It comes down to the relationships that you're building with these influencers because there's potentially millions of influencers that brands can work with. But it really comes down to like, how do I sift through those millions and find the, the individuals that are a good for my brand, but that are also going to, you know, the treat their, their, them being an influencer and like an actual business. And that really comes down to relationships. Um, and so we've built that with a lot of influencers over the years because of campaigns that we've done. And we have influencers that we rely on very heavily for campaigns because they do a great job. They produce great content. They understand, you know, how to do the, you know, the brief that we send over and they, when they say they're going to get something done at a certain time, they get it done. So I think really, once again, it comes down to relationships, no matter the technology, no matter where things move, um, it just comes down to that kind of belly to belly relationships. And one of the things, and I love the fact that you talk about, you know, the relationships and the one-on-one, one of the things that I've noticed and especially with AI, and I know I share, you know, there's a lot of people that have concerns about what that's going to look like, but the one-on-one relationships, when you have those conversations, and anybody that's done any type of consulting work knows this, that a client will bring you in for something. And when you get in there, you will discover something else that they yeah. need addressed, and the client may not know that. And I don't think AI is necessarily going to be able to capture that either based on conversations and, and input. So it's it's one of those things where that that – yeah, the no like and trust factor, 
I don't think AI is ever going to be able to kick that in. You know, it, it's just not going to work. You know, it's that that's that human to human interaction that's going to make the difference. And and again, AI will say yes based on these previous experiences. We recommend this, but you're face to face with somebody and you're talking with them about something and they're saying something but their body language is not saying the same thing and you're going okay sounds like you're saying this but you seem to be uncomfortable about it what you know what is there and it just takes off from there and you can actually get them the actual solution or solutions they need instead of what AI kicked out from an algorithm yeah i mean that's really what it is it, it comes down to the you know at the end of the day, if you put in the wrong data, right, you put in the wrong information, you're not going to get the answer you're looking for. So what I mean by that is if AI is picking up on something and if a client thinks they need this certain thing, I mean, I've had plenty of clients. Most of my clients that come to me think they need one thing and we toggle them and say, listen, that's not really what you need because you're looking, you know, hey, I need to do SEO, but we want it to be up. You know, we want it to be number one for the keyword in two weeks. It's like, okay, that's not realistic. Like that's not going to happen. What we need to do is in probably some PPC or we need to do maybe an influencer campaign to get something, you know, to be able to drive some traffic faster. So the thing is, is once again, if the client thinks that they know what they want and AI thinks, you know, you go and you put in some information to AI and they go, okay, this is what you need. This is what they think you need based off what you said and maybe past data, maybe even looking up the wrong stuff. You're not going to get what you're looking for. So once again, to your point, you know, the, the idea of this is like you to be able to truly assess a situation and talk to a client and we'll be able to make a, you know, some kind of a custom uh, evaluation of what they have going on. I think maybe AI can work for maybe say 50% of these people, assuming that the information, what they're looking up is really what they need. Great. Then you can make that assessment, but it is going to be very difficult to, you know, for that to take over the place of, of somebody being able to, once again, be able to be in a consultant, like there's probably not going to be any software I would think at this point that can, that can evaluate what I've learned over the last 25 years and be able to have the same assessment, the exact same assessment that I have. And not to say that I'm perfect by any means, but I would like to think that I'm a little smarter than AI, hopefully, well, maybe this year I am, I don't know about next year, but you know, right, because of that, I mean, that's that, because of what I personally have done my, in my past and what I see, and then making those assessments becomes a lot more personal thing. And I think AI is never gonna replace that. Fingers crossed, we're both right on that. <laughs> I know. If not, then we're going to be obsolete in a year. So that's super awesome, too. I guess I'll go on vacation. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. You know, and AI can create ways to you know compensate us for you know sitting on a beach somewhere drinking whatever they bring us in. Adult um, beverages, yes. If you look yeah. mine up, AI would know what kind of that I like IPAs. I think that's what it would probably bring me. I'm hoping as long as intelligent enough to do that. There you go. I'm, I'm in the IPA camp, too. So um, sharing is caring. It's all good. Maybe um, you can. Come on my island when AI is there. There you go. Right. Yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll just make sure that there's you know they AI figured out a way to continually deliver. I don't want it to be oh well we well we killed that six pack now what you know not a dry <laughs> island not on my island uh -uh. There, there you go that's yeah. awesome so with with the people that you're working with um, what are some common things that you see them do or think they need to do because you kind of alluded that to a little bit where they bring you in they say we need to do this what are some things that they bring you in for and you realize mm, no that's not actually it you actually need to do this because you're going to get better traction in the long haul yeah i mean it really comes down to what their goals are right and, and how quickly they need to to achieve something so they say hey listen we've got a you know great sales fund we've got a great sales team we're you know producing a million dollars a month and you know, things are good there. We just want to open up some new revenue streams or we want to do better with 
um, SEO where we want to you know open up an influencer marketing side of things that's a little bit of a longer play right because now we have some time it's not a code red you know I mean I, nobody likes the client that they come to you and say hey listen I got ten thousand dollars and after this doesn't go right I'm gonna shut my business down like that's not a claim for me either right I mean because I don't want to take on that responsibility because there are no guarantees right if there was guarantees and we would just go with one marketing company and you'd be with them for 45 years and you would retire together so you know everything we try obviously we we've my company we've obviously tried a lot of different things and we know it works for most companies um, but you know it really comes down to like being able to assess that right and, and, and going in where clients go hey I this is what I need I need to drive more traffic and I look at their website and say, well, you guys are driving 100,000 people. It's not that you need 200,000 people. It's that you need to convert the traffic that you currently have, or you need to get less traffic. You need to get the right type of traffic, right? So let's go ahead and, you know, ignore that 100,000 mark. Really what we need to do is really trim this down, put in out the right content to pull in 40,000. And that 40,000, we need to increase your conversion rate from 2% to 4%. And that should be the perfect client for you. So, it, you know, once again, most clients, they own the reason why they're out reaching out to somebody is because they get what they get. And they don't know what they don't, what they don't know. Right. So it's like, we go in and make that assessment. And it's like for us, we don't have like my website, my company, we have a 35 person team. I don't have custom packages or excuse me. I do have custom packages. I don't have any like boilerplate packages, A, B or C because everybody's different. I mean, I had things that, that my team's really good at like content and SEO and, and that kind of stuff and producing and driving traffic. But every, the way that we put those packages together are very, very tailored to that business because once again, everybody's business is a little different. Some are great with social, some have some good SEO presence, some are great at writing content but don't have the distribution piece of that. So there's just a lot of moving pieces to that. And we kind of look at the overall assessment and say, okay, what's the low hanging fruit so we can see some great results for the client? And then what's kind of the long-term play and what exactly do we need to do to get them there? And, and by doing that, again, it, it helps them really narrow down their focus. And, and one thing definitely to highlight is it, it's easier to work with clients that realize they know what they don't know. And they bring you guys in to say, all right, here, help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope kind of thing when it comes to marketing. Because, again, sometimes you just say, okay, well, everybody has ads here or we got to do this type of social media campaign. And they just throw a bunch of crap into, you know, I'll use Twitter, for example, for a moment. I, I, I describe Twitter like a river, okay? Unless you're camped out on that thing 24-7, you're not going to see everything you're not going to see every post unless you're specifically following a particular person or yeah. or stalking them whatever you want to call it yeah. uh, then then you're going to catch all of their their stuff but you're going to miss it and the same thing with you know ads depending on what time of day you're looking at something you may not see it or you're just not paying attention you're not looking over to the there's all kinds of different things so uh, it's one of those things where it's like you, you targeting based on what their product or service is and, and getting in front of the, the right audiences. It makes such a big difference. Yeah. I mean, the right audience is the key. We do that, you know, whether it's be PPC or even influencer marketing, there's always, you know, in the last few years, it's been like, Oh, influencer marketing. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't work. Or, and then some people are like, Oh my God, it works great. The problem is, is if you don't have the right audience, if you have an influencer that just has a huge following, but it's not your audience. So if you don't know who your audience is, then you're doing an, uh, a campaign with an influencer. Just because you did one campaign with one influencer doesn't work, doesn't mean that influencer marketing doesn't work, right? I mean, if I go after PPC and I go after a, a certain audience and it, they don't respond, that doesn't mean PPC doesn't work. That just means that, that the campaign that I did doesn't work, right? So that's where I think a lot of people get confused with influencer marketing. And it's like, 
there's not just one influencer that everybody's working with, right? And so that you're like, I tried John and he didn't work. And now what are we going to do? Like, he's the only influencer out there. Like, that's not the deal. There's different platforms. There's different influencers. There's a lot of different ways to do this. It's a lot of A-B testing where you want to put some money out there and see who's moving the needle. Then once you find that working funnel, no different than PPC, no different than any sales funnel you build on your website. Once that starts to go and you see a good conversion rate, now you go find those YouTube you know, influencers that have this type of following or the Instagram follow, um, person that has a following ship between 16 and 24 or whatever that are female, like whatever that is. But it, you have to realize it takes a little time to find that. And influencer marketing, even though we've had some phenomenal results, it's also in the beginning, we had campaigns that didn't do well at all. Right. And that's all learning lessons. But now because of the amount of campaigns that we've done and, you know, I mean, I teach UCLA, I teach a personal branding to how to be an influencer course. I've been heavy in the industry for a while, we, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of change in the industry when it comes to influencer marketing, but a lot of good stuff too. Like, you know, how do you, it, it's a campaign, it's a strategy. So it's not just a, hey, go hire an influencer and has a high followership, you know, send them free product or send them $500, whatever that is, and then just have them put some content up and then pray that it goes well. Like it, praying as a tactic is just not good for any business. If you have to pray after you do a campaign, uh, it's probably not going to go that well. Yeah, you might as well just go into, you know, some random business that you've never worked with or know anything about and say, you know, here's your, here's a product that's going to save your organization millions, you know, pay me. And they're going to go, well, you don't even know the name of our company. You just yeah. sent, you gave us a, basically a template you downloaded off, off the computer and here it is, you know, that yeah. you haven't done anything. Yeah. So, so in you know the online space, you know we obviously hear a lot of thing about traffic and, and websites and things like that and, and funnels. You know there's been a you know big push in recent years about having funnels, which funnels aren't new. It's just the way that you know, it's basically you know narrowing down. And you kind of alluded to it a little bit a while ago about you know finding those ideal customers. Who is your ideal client and yeah. and 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 funneling them in a way to get them to you know, buy your product or service, or if you have multiple levels, you know, funnel them into you know, the right category. You know, some people go into a brick and mortar store um, that may sell a bunch of things and they may only go in there for one type of thing and they never shop in the other departments. But then there are some that, you know, go the full perimeter of a store and, and, you know, are able to buy all kinds of different products or services. You know, it's like going into a, you know, a physical Amazon for, for people that, you know, are, you know, thinking along those lines. So, you know, What's your take on funnels and, and why they work for some and you know why those that use them struggle with them? Yeah. I mean, funnel is, you know, it's a, it's a, a coin term that it means, you know, obviously you're taking somebody into your website and then you, they go through some kind of a sequence right on your website. So we talk about that as a funnel. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to pull people in. Um, I always recommend that if you're going to pull people in your website, the, the problem with it is, is that of a hundred people that come to your website, usually 98% leave, right? So then it's like, how do you get those people to either download an ebook or a white paper or get a free consultation or um, add them to your newsletter? Like, what do you need to do? Like, how much traffic are you driving? What are you doing to pull those individuals in? And then once they download that ebook or whatever that is, then what is your next steps in that process, right? Is it, or the person that, that does a 30 minute once a demo, like, what is your process there? Like, what, well, you have to look through that whole journey of like, what is the email that they receive? How quickly does a salesperson get to them? How quickly do they you know, put something on the calendar. And then at that point from that, that demo date, then what is the, you know, how long is it going to take for them to close? It usually takes 30 days. Well, and all this needs to be put into some kind of a CRM. So the idea of this is that your process will continuously need to be tweaked until you get it to a point where it's a seamless process, which is 
not impossible, but it becomes very difficult to do, right? I mean, Amazon is a great example. You touched on them is that Amazon has a one click purchase, right? Like that changed the game. It, there's, there's, cause there's everything else, every step that you have to take to go do, or that a, your client has to do to do one more thing, you have a drop off every time. So if you have seven things that need to happen before a close happens or 10 or 20 or whatever that is, every single one of those points is going to be where you're going to have less people, less retention of people or the potential people of being a client. So Amazon being a great example, they click on it. It's a one-time purchase. Sometimes it's too easy. Like I can confirm for my wife, it's way too easy. Like she just clicks that button and it's like, ding, ding, ding. Like we, it's like Christmas at my house every day. Shout out to my wife. If she's listening to this, I still love you. Um, but you know, it really comes down once again, it's like, what, what is that noise in between that? You know, when, when you're going through this funnel system and how you're pulling people in, and once again, what type of content you should have, like funnels being, there can be a different type of funnel for each piece of content you create. So if you have a, a blog and you have a podcast, and you have all these different things, like figure out what kind of traffic is coming in through there and what kind of content they like, right? And that can be either through A-B testing or different things that you wanna put, whether it be a lead magnet or a white paper or something like that. And then pulling in those people, getting them on your newsletter and then figuring out what you're gonna do to convert those individuals, whether it's a product or a service, and then understanding that whole journey and when, once again, what are all the different things that happen there? And even the salesperson, when they jump on with them, like what are the things that they go over? What are the pain points? Like how does that all happen? Once you have that in place, which is not easy. I mean, I can talk about it. You know, we have a half an hour podcast. I can tell you how to do it within five minutes, but to actually put that together and understand where people are exiting, where there's issues, where there's, you know, salespeople that aren't calling right away, where there's, you know, whatever that is, you have to look at all those things as a, as an owner, but once you get a good sales process, you know, or a funnel in place, then it's beautiful, right? Because now it's like you're printing money for every dollar I put in, I get $2 out. And I know as long as we follow these processes and this is going to be tight that we're going to be able to bring in, you know, out of a hundred thousand people, 5% of those people come in, we're able to close 30 of those people. And each one of those people is worth $2,000 to us. So now I have a good system of like, as long as I'm driving the right type of traffic, that my sales team should convert at this level because I have John that converts at 3% and Jennifer at 5%. So the average is four. And then out of that, they close so many types of sales and the lifetime value of that client is X, Y, Z. So we know kind of what that value is, right? So we have that full funnel and we have understanding of, of what that, when we bring those clients in, what they're going to be worth to us. I love how you describe that because oftentimes people, they want to use one funnel for all of those different flavors of things where, you know, a podcast, you know, a blog, and other things that you do, speaking engagements, whatever, are all different things. You know, my audience for my stuff, you know, I have people that listen to my podcast that have never looked at my website or gone to my blog. And I've got people that you know, subscribe to my blog that have never heard me talk before. And people that, I, that see me speak at events and conferences they know that I have it, but you know, they're consuming me in different ways. So I've got huh. all of these different um, inputs. And for me, it'd be like, okay, I'm just going to use this one funnel. Yeah. I get this, you know, for ebook, you know, and, and it's one of those things where it's like you, you it's spot on because it, it helps you understand, you know, who your audience is and what are they looking for? Yeah. Make that, make that for them and make it easy for them. Like you said, and um, yeah, I, I just got an email just a second ago that uh, there is a smiley face box uh, at uh, at my front door. So um, I, I, I'm I'm familiar with the Amazons as well. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's 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 convenient. Let's say it this way. And yes, I do have toilet paper delivered to my home um, because 
why, why, why stand in line for it? They, somebody can bring it to me. Um, now, now they haven't figured out the, the service of bringing it to me when I realized I didn't load the roll up yet. Um, there, there's boundaries there yet, but we'll eventually maybe it'll, that's what the drones will the take. The drones will drop it off. Yeah. Don't worry about that. All you got, you press a little button. It'll be Amazon. There's Amazon now. It'll be Amazon like two minutes ago or something ago. That mm -hmm. means you did it yesterday or two yeah. minutes ago. And they'll probably you just have to open your window. The drone will drop the toilet paper through the window. And as long as you can grab it, or maybe they'll even have somebody that'll capture it for you on that side of the robot or something and actually put it on there. Or maybe wipe for you too, which I mean, maybe that's too far. We don't need to talk about that today, but I get your no. point. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's technology and AI. Um, hopefully, we'll, if it doesn't have limits, we, we may want to toss a couple in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah two-ply two till I die, buddy. That's it. You got to be it, careful. Exactly. Yeah, just make sure which one you're buying because yeah, you get the wrong one, you hear about it. Believe me, you hear about it. Party. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So of all the clients you get to work with, um, who are the ones that are easier? And I'm obviously don't identify names, but you know, is there a common theme of, of the type of people uh, your team loves working with? Yeah, it's the ones that pay on time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually not kidding. But um, no, you know, what it really comes down to for us is is really expectation and important to understand that ahead of time. So I've learned over the 20 something years with clients is that if, if you guys aren't on the same page in regards to not just deliverables, but what they're expecting the results to be, that's where you're going to have a huge disconnect. And so um, in the beginning, I would take on any client, right? Because I thought, oh, we can do this and we can do this and we're all powerful. And now we very specific about the, the clients that we work with because once again, the expectation has to be there, the budget has to be there um, and make sure that the good communication is there as well. Right. So, you know, if I have a client that comes in and says, um, Hey, just, so you know, we're going to hire you guys, but you know, I'm, you know, they don't want to let over the, they don't want to give you the reins. Right. And they want to say, Hey, I know everything. I've got everything. I got it figured out. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I just got to hire somebody. It's probably not going to be a good fit for us. Right. Not that they can't, you know, hold on to the reins, but, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you really want us to have the reins so that we can be held responsible for everything that we're doing. You can obviously, you'll approve everything, but you know, really you're hiring us because you're looking for a consultant, you're looking for a coach or an advocate or somebody to show you how to do this the right way. And so I think that's important, you know, and, and I, you can get early signs. Like I send out qualifying questions to potential clients because I want to, I'm asking about their budget and I ask them about what they've done in the past, I ask them what has worked, what has worked in the past, like, and also what their expectations are. Like, what would be a home run for you? And they say, oh, okay, I think, you know, if we, if we spent $10,000 and did a million dollars in sales, and I'm like, well, of course, I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? But let's be realistic. Like, there's probably no way, I mean, if I could do that for my clients, and I mean, what would I charge you to do that? I'd probably charge you $100,000 to spend 10000 to make, you know, a million or more, right? So, um, you know, we've had good results, but you're not going to have that type of results. And I think it's important for them to understand that and to make sure that everybody's on the same page with, hey, a big win would be to spend $10,000 and make 20,000, right? That would be a huge win. Right now, what we would do is we would just go, or the first 10,000 or 20,000 to 30,000 is gonna be just to find that working funnel. So you might not make any money, right? This could be just something we're figuring out, but by the end of that 30,000, now we'll know for every dollar, you're gonna make $3 by doing this because we've eliminated these other nine or 10 options. So that's where I think it's really important. A lot of clients are looking for, and it depends on the client, Hey. I want to spend $30,000 and I have to make an ROI on that instantly. And that's not always the situation with us, the way that we do things. And it's like, well, is it better to spend that money and just kind of pray that it goes well? Or is it for us to really, really tighten this thing up to really figure out that perfect influence or that perfect, you know, whatever it is, PPC, that perfect audience for your, for that, for your customer. And now, you know, whenever this happens, you're going to produce this type of money. Now you have predictable revenue because you've, you've really tried everything. You've tested everything. 
And I, I find it funny might not be the right word, but I'll use it anyway. I find it funny that a lot of people, especially in the online space, you know, want that instant ROI. And I think of all of the businesses that have ever launched in, in, in the history of humanity, pretty much all of them lose their tail early off and they don't, you know, we've all seen the image of, I think Coca-Cola sold 10 bottles or whatever it is their first year. You know, obviously I'm guessing they lost some money on that deal, but now, you know, but now, you know, a multi-billion dollar entity with all kinds of different products and services and everything else. And, but they, they figured it out. And other than that new Coke debacle back in 85, but you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's funny. Well, that's the thing is it really comes down to is like you can't expect if you are going to work with a company and they're like, we can guarantee you that you're going to get more revenue in that first month. I'm not saying that can't happen, but really there's a lot of things that, that need to be tested. And I think to be more transparent with the client and saying, hey, listen, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to test. Right. And so there's going to be some stuff that's going to go, well, we could we could knock it out of the park the first month because we found the right influencer on the right platform. And it was only a second person that we went with. Or we could be going after 20 influencers and it was the 18th influencer that seemed to move the needle and this is the type of influencer, this is the type of audience and this is the platform we wanna do that campaign on. So I'm just realistic with clients. If if you guys need to show revenue in the first month after one month of working with us, it's not a good client for me because I don't think that expectation is realistic. If that happens, I tell them three months or six months and if it happens in the first month, that's a party bonus, right? I'll take that all day. But I don't want to tell a client, hey, I can, you know, I, there's a high likelihood that you're going to see huge ROI in that first month. No, my thing is going to be the longer play. Like, we're going to go through this thing and figure out what isn't working. And that's just by trial and error, right? We have to go through it and say, hey, let's try these 10 influencers on these five platforms. And this is what we think the, the audience, the perfect audience is. And it's going to be this influencer right here after we've done some research. And now we go after that influencer and we put together a great campaign and we see how well it goes. So, you know, everything takes time. And that's the thing you have to remember is it's not a, if you want good results, it's going to take time. It's just usually not something that's done overnight. If it's done overnight, then it's probably something a little fishy going on. Absolutely. Yeah. In any business that wants to be here for the long haul understands you got to build a foundation and you got to figure out, you know, who your ideal client or customer is. And I know you see this all the time. You know, they don't have a clear definitive answer. And the only way they're going to find that out is, you know, get out there and, and see, you know, who's interested in, in the product or service they have. Because otherwise, yes, it may be the greatest product or service that's ever been invented. But if you don't get it in front of the right people, you won't, you won't move any of those things off the shelf. Yeah, that's exactly what it comes down to is like knowing exactly who you think who your perfect avatar is, that perfect client. And it's difficult to find out. It's not, you know, just putting sending out five emails and seeing who responds. I mean, it's you have to look at historically what your company has done and who you guys have sold to. And then you kind of you kind of back, you know, you backed out from there and say, okay, it's usually been men between 18 and 24. So now you go find an influencer that, you know, if you're selling a yoga map and great, he's a yoga instructor and he has a heavy male demographic and it's 18 to 24, then we have to assume that there's going to be some good results there, but it's probably not, you know, Joe, the jet, you know, the jet setter guy that all he cares about is, you know, hangs out in Playboy or something. And then, you know, it's like, maybe that's not, maybe it is the right guy for you, but maybe it's not right. The idea of it just because he has a high follower count. So you really have to, brands really need to, I mean, what we work on is we have workshops that we do for brands like Amazon and some other big companies where they'll come in and we'll teach them 
on how to find these right influencers, right? Because that's so, so important. And then we have a course for influencers to show them how to be able to like really make this a successful business. Like when you're reaching out to brands and stuff, like there's some of the basic stuff that they don't have, like a website and all this kind of stuff that's extremely, extremely important because the only thing with Instagram and Facebook, and they're always going to be changing their algorithms. There's always going to be issues. And if you're, if that's your number one platform and where you're monetizing is just Instagram, you really have to have a website to be pulling them in there to have them, you know, come build your email list and that kind of stuff. It's just extremely important. It's crucial. And, you know, Facebook, you know, all the time changes things. And I remember seeing businesses go out of business because, you know, they had all their eggs in that basket and Facebook changed something. It's their platform. They can do whatever they want and it impacted them. And so, you know, your advice of you get them from whatever medium you connect to them with, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, I say that tongue in cheek, but, um, you know, but funnel them into, you know, your ecosystem, get their email and just start building that relationship with them. So if, you know, Zuckerberg one day says, you know what, I'm tired of looking at pictures and Instagram's gone, then, you know, everyone's going to be flipping out and you're going to be going, wait a minute, you know, my, all my income generating capabilities have now left because I don't know how to contact any of these people. The only guarantee is that they're going to change algorithm and it's going to mess you up. I mean, really, because at the end of the day, I mean, Instagram being an example, they with Facebook is that they have to monetize, right? Originally edge rank, their algorithm was opened up and you got tons of engagement. Everything was great. And they closed that window. And so now only, you know, 8% of the people are seeing your stuff instead of 50. And then you're like, well, how do I get this back? Well, now you can boost a post for $10 or something, right? So there's, they're always looking ways to monetize. Instagram's not going to be any different. Like you'll start at, if you were, that's, you have all your eggs in that basket, your, your algorithms, they're going to change the algorithm. It's going to go lower and lower, and lower. And they're going to say, Hey, if you want to get that same type of result that you got before, you're going to have to pay to play. And that's just, that's a guarantee that's going to happen. And so if you are just on Instagram or if you're just on Snapchat or just on YouTube and you're just, you're just a, a, a sitting duck, you're waiting for them to, those things, the idea of is that we talked about is you have your money, your website, and all those social media channels should funnel that traffic into your website so you can capture their emails and have them download stuff. The idea of it's a tool to bring into your website. But if you're just, you, there's going to be a day, quote me, if you're strictly on Instagram, you're an influencer on Instagram, things will start to change for you and it's not for the better. It's always going to be worse because things you're not, you don't have your website, you're not monetizing. And Instagram could take down your profile tomorrow for any reason, for religious reasons, for you know, your political views because you put on weird underwear, like whatever it is, who knows what it is, but they can take you down. You don't own that profile. You could, you spent thousands of thousands of hours on it, but you don't own it. At the end of the day, it's up to Zuckerberg. And if he decides to take it down for whatever reason, then he does. And you can be, I mean, I have, I have influencer clients that literally have lost their business overnight. It's gone. Nothing they can do. It's unfortunate. It's scary. Well, sure. Yeah. No, it's, that's key advice for sure is, you know, get people into your own ecosystem that you can control. Then that way platforms can come and go. Uh, but you still have, you know, your, uh, and I'll explain this to younger people, Rolodex, you know, Google it, you'll see what it means. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, you'll have those contacts and you can interact with them in a more, you know, controlled um, and personal way. I mean, that's yeah. a big way of thing to do with the emails and everything else. So Shane, where can people find out more about you and your awesome company? Yeah. So you can go to shanebarker.com and that's S H A N E B A R K E R.com. Um, and if you want to contact me on social, um, you can just Twitter, it's just Shane underscore Barker. 
Um, Instagram is just Shane Barker. Um, and then LinkedIn is Shane Barker as well. And then if, I'll actually give out my personal email as well. If you guys have any questions in regards to whether it's influencer marketing or SEO or content marketing, anything like that, um, you can reach out to me at Shane, it's again, S-H-A-N-E at ShaneBarker.com. Awesome. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. Shane, great talking with you today. Love the work you guys are doing. It's, um, it's helping a lot of people and it's uh, getting them to you know, hit their dreams and desires a lot faster and more efficiently if they're, instead of just fumbling around like too many of them do. I hear you. Michael, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, bud. Oh, appreciate it. Till next right. time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.